Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast in collaboration with the Conservative Yeshiva in Jerusalem. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about the Conservative Yeshiva, please visit conservativeyeshiva.org. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Welcome to Daily Daf Differently. This is Joe Rosenstein, and I am a professor of mathematics at Rutgers University and the author of Sidur 8 Ratzon and Machzor 8 Ratzon. Today we will be studying Tractate Nazir, Daf Vav, page 6. This tractate, Masechet Nazir, deals with men and women who make a vow to abstain from wine and all grape products, to refrain from cutting their hair, and to avoid contact with all dead bodies, so that they don't become tameh, or ritually impure. These requirements of a Nazir appear in Chapter 6 of Bamidbar, Numbers. The Mishnah on the previous daf stated that if a person vows to be a Nazir without specifying the term of his or her Nazirut, then the term is automatically 30 days. We really don't know why 30 days was chosen as the default term, since 30 is not commonly used by the ancient Israelites, although it seems like a natural term to us. Two reasons for the 30-day period were presented in the Gemara on yesterday's daf neither of which is credible, and on today's daf, the Gemara tries to determine which of those reasons is correct by testing them against various practices relating to the Nazir. We will focus on the Nazir practices without getting bogged down in the question of which of the two rationales they support or contradict. We begin with a question of when the Nazir's concluding ceremony takes place. Recall that at the conclusion of a person's nazirut, there are three sacrificial offerings that involve animals. A korban olah, an offering that rises, that is an offering to God that is entirely burnt. A korban chatat, a sin offering. And a korban shlamim, part of which is eaten by the nazir and his or her guests. The first two are sheep, the third is a ram. Most importantly, there is a hair offering, that is, the hair that the Nazir has so carefully guarded and protected from contamination for the entire period of Nizirut is burnt on the altar. As discussed yesterday, the whole point of becoming a Nazir is to offer oneself to God, which, since human sacrifice is forbidden, can only be accomplished by offering one's hair to God. This understanding of the Nazir provides an explanation for all three of the prohibitions that are described in Numbers. No cutting of the hair, no contact with the dead, lest the hair become ritually impure, and since the Nazir has to guard the hair 24-7, the Nazir has to abstain from wine like the Kohen who is on duty. Because of the importance of the hair, the ceremony at the end of Nizirut is referred to as Hitkalachat which means the cutting of the hair. When does this Hitkalachat ceremony take place? Well, if the Nazirut lasts for 30 days, then the Hitkalachat ceremony would normally take place on the 31st day. 
However, there is a principle that part of a day is equivalent to a whole day. We are familiar with this with the application of this principle to sitting Shiva. The mourner does not sit Shiva for seven full days. Indeed, after the morning service of the seventh day, Shiva ends, and the mourner starts to return to his or her daily routine. Why is that the case? Because of the principle that part of a day is equivalent to a whole day. Since the mourner has been sitting Shiva for part of the seventh day, it is considered as if he or she had been sitting Shiva for the whole day. That principle should apply here as well. That is, the Hitkalachat ceremony could take place on the 30th day. However, the first Mishnah in chapter 3, which is cited on Ardaf, begins, if a person vows to be a Nazir, the closing ceremony takes place on the 31st day. This teaching seems to contradict the conclusion that we reached above. The Mishnah continues, but it is acceptable for the Hitkalachat to take place on the 30th day. So the Mishnah does reach the same conclusion that we do. But then the Mishnah continues, if a person vows to be a Nazir for 30 days, then it is not acceptable for the Hitkalachat to take place on the 30th day. That seems to contradict what was just said. However, there is a difference between the two clauses in the Mishnah. The first vow is simply, simply to be a Nazir. The second is to be a Nazir for specifically for 30 days. Each then has to be a Nazir for 30 days, the first by default, the second by intention. But if, after some discussion, the Gemara decides that when a person vows to be a Nazir specifically for 30 days, then his vow is binding for 30 full days. By including the number of days in the vow, the Nazir foregoes the part of a day principle, and therefore his or her Hitkalachat ceremony will take place on the 31st day. What happens if a person undertakes to be a Nazir for two 30-day terms? The next Mishnah in chapter 3, also cited on Ardaf, says that in that case, the closing ceremony for the first Nazirut is on the 31st day, and the closing ceremony for the second Nazirut is on the 61st day. But if the closing ceremony for the first Nazirut takes place on the 30th day, then the closing ceremony for the second Nazirut should be on the 60th day. Let's figure out the math here. First, let's deal with the second part of that Mishnah. If we apply the principle that part of a day is equivalent to a whole day, then we have seen above that the closing ceremony for the first Nazirut could be on the 30th day. The second Nazirut begins on the 31st day, and applying the principle a second time, the second Nazirut would end on the 60th day, since the 60th day is the 30th day of the second Nizirut. And then the Hitkalacha could take place on the 60th day. And that's what the Mishnah says. If we don't apply the principle that part of a day is equivalent to a whole day, because the person vowed to be a Nazir for 30 full days, then the closing ceremony for the first Nizirut would be on the 31st day. The second Nizirut begins on the 32nd day, and the 30th day of that Nazirut would be on the 61st day, so that the closing ceremony for the second Nazirut 
would be on the 62nd day. That conclusion doesn't agree with the Mishnah, which said that the closing ceremony should be on the 61st day, not the 62nd day. What are we missing? The answer is that we're missing that part of a day is equivalent to a whole day, applies to the beginning of the count as well as to the end of the count. Thus, if at, three, if at 3 p.m. a person announces that he or she will be a Nazir for 30 days, meaning 30 full days, that day counts as the first day, even though it is not a full day. So on the 31st day, after the closing ceremony for the first Nazirut takes place, the second Nazirut begins. That is, the second Nizirut does not begin on the 32nd day, as was mentioned in the previous paragraph, but on the 31st day, and therefore it ends on the 60th day, and the closing ceremony would be on the 61st day, exactly as stated in the Mishnah. But the same reasoning can also be applied to the first case, where the person doesn't vow to be a Nazir for 30 full days, so the closing ceremony for the first Nizirut is on the 30th day which is also the first day of the second Nizirut. So the 30th day of the second Nizirut would be on the 59th day, which is when the concluding ceremony of the second Nizirut could take place. And indeed, the Mishnah cited above mentions that the concluding ceremony for the second Nizirut can in fact take place on the day before the 60th day. So that Mishnah got the math right, or perhaps we figured out correctly how the authors of the Mishnah arrived at their conclusion. The Gemara on this daf, on this daf, continues citing chapter three of the Mishnah. If a person comes in contact with a dead bot, with a dead person on the thirtieth day of the Zirut, then the whole period is rendered void. Rabbi Shimon says that only the next seven days are void. What is this dispute about? Recall that chapter 6 of Numbers says that if a Nazir becomes Tameh through contact with a dead person, then the Nazir has to start all over again. And presumably that applies no matter when in the Nazirut the Nazir becomes ritually unclean. So why is there a Mishnah that discusses the 30th day in particular? If you follow the previous discussion, you might say that if the Nazir becomes Tameh on the 30th day, then it shouldn't matter because part of the 30th day is equivalent to the whole day. Therefore, if the Nazir got Tameh at noon, you might say that the Nazir actually finished his Nazirut at 11 a.m., and so should not have to start all over. This is apparently the reasoning of Rabbi Shimon. The difficulty with this reasoning is that until his hair is cut, the Nazir has to protect it from being defiled. So his Nazirut isn't really over until his hair is cut and placed on the altar. If he becomes Tameh after that, it makes no difference because, because he is no longer a Nazir. But if he becomes Tameh before that, it makes a big difference because he is still a Nazir. And because he has become Tameh, he has to begin his Nazirut all over again. So Rabbi Shimon's reasoning is rejected. But what does Rabbi Shimon mean when he says that only the next seven days are void. He intends the following timeline. On the 30th day, the Nazir becomes Tameh, but since part of a day counts as a whole day, he has finished his period of Nazirut. But since he is Tameh, he can't perform the Hitgalachat ceremony. 
As with anyone who is Tameh, he has to undergo a seven-day period of decontamination. Those are the seven days to which Rabbi Shimon refers in the Mishnah. And on the following day, he does the Yitkalachat ceremony. That's apparently what Rabbi Shimon means, but as noted above, his view is rejected. Ardaf then cites the next Mishnah of chapter 3. Suppose a person vows to be a Nazir for a hundred days and becomes Tameh on the last day. Then the whole period is, as in the previous case, rendered void, although Rabbi Eliezer disagrees. So what's the point of discussing when a Nazir becomes Tameh on the last day of a hundred-day Nazirut if it's the same as a thirty-day Nazirut? The answer is that there is a difference between these two cases. The difference is that if the Nazir becomes Tameh on the thirtieth day of a thirty-day Nazirut, then he or she has another thirty-day term. But what is the length of the second term of a Nazir who becomes Tameh on the hundredth day of a hundred-day Nazirut? If you follow the text of the Torah, the second term should be a hundred days long, since the Nazir has to complete the term he originally declared. On the other hand, if you follow our Mishnah's innovation that an undeclared term is thirty days, then you might conclude that since the Nazir did not specify the length of the second term, it should be for thirty days. Indeed, Rabbi Eliezer's view, according to Rosh Lakish, is that if a Nazir becomes Tameh on the hundredth day of his hundred-day Nazirut, then he only needs to repeat 30 days. This issue will be discussed in more detail in chapter 3. But we know that this perspective cannot prevail, because if it did, anyone who started a 100-day Nazirut could, by intentionally becoming Tameh, get off the hook in 30 days, or 37 days if you counted the decontamination period. That's all for today. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the opening and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epic Chorus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.